What's going on, everybody? We are back at the True Christian Podcast with my brother, JB. What's up, man? What's up, brother, Ben? Good to see you. Welcome, everybody. I'm so excited. I, 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 I love I love the book of Galatians. I'm surprised this is the first time we're doing this. I'm, I've been excited right. since, since we asked, what are we going to be reading? And someone said Galatians. And I said, that's, a, that's, that's it right there. That right there. Yeah. I, I'm extremely excited. It's our Wednesday yeah. episode. So it's also the sad episode because that means I don't get to see y'all again for four whole days. Is it four? Yeah. That's yeah, five. It's like five. But what's up, everybody? We see we got about seven people with us on YouTube. We got about 30 over in TikTok, and that's already climbing. Um, as always, for those people watching on TikTok, you can listen. You can hear JD. Uh, but if you stay on TikTok, you will not be able to see the Bible on screen. You will not be able to be a part of the conversation. I have to incentivize you to come over to YouTube. So that's why the comments are off. Um, but I yeah. do leave. Eventually, I'm going to stop going live on TikTok during this. So I'm I'm trying to shuffle y'all over there. But uh, as long as you stay over there, I guess I'll keep the stream going for some people that refuse to go over to YouTube. And for the YouTube audience, as always, whether you're watching live or you're going to be joining in later to watch this after it's already been posted, uh, welcome. God bless you. And thank you guys for being here. JD. Amen. JD. Amen. The oh, well, Galatians. Galatians. Galatians is is the is the epistle of Paul that I have studied the most. This is the one I've spent most of my youth because this is this is one that 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 debunks this debunks every other gospel. This debunks the law. This debunks Torah creepers. This debunks this debunks so much. And ultimately, uh, this is such a beautiful book. And we also know that this was the very first epistle Paul ever wrote. So again, this is a we, we've we've done the last epistle, Second Timothy, and now we're doing the first epistle. So it's it's quite fitting. It's quite fitting. Because everything he says in Galatians, he goes on to, you know, rebuke the church in Corinth, rebuke the church in Ephesus. He, you know, Romans, we see the same. So, again, it's uh, pumped to be here. Again, as Mike said, like, subscribe, share. Uh, we're going to get into this. And uh, God's going to bless those who haven't gone through Galatians in depth. I know, because there's so much meat in this epistle. I mean... Let's get it, man. Let's so what, get what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing, JD, is you're gonna be dropping some hot fire tonight because this is oh yeah the book that you love. So we're gonna just, yeah a bunch of that tonight. A bunch of that tonight. Yeah. I'm excited. Let's get hype and let's get ready, guys. I love I love diving into the Bible with you guys. But as always, let's go ahead and say a prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to be involved in us. We like to make Bible studies fun. But let's not forget the point of studying the Bible. Um, it's it's yes, fellowship is amazing to do so together. But the goal is edification and def and defining truth. And that means in order to seek truth, we have to go into it as if we could be wrong about anything. Um, and that's how we should always embrace the Bible as if we don't actually know anything and let the Holy Spirit fill us. So Heavenly Father, thank you so much for allowing us to come together yet again for another episode. I don't even know how many it's been, but it's only been by your grace that we've been able to continue to reach people and actually uh, make an impact on people's lives. It's not JD, it's not myself. Honestly, if it was up to us, this would have failed a while ago uh, because we are just wretched fallen sinners. And it's a surprise that you choose to use us for the things that you do. Father, we ask you to be present 
in everything that we do. We ask you to be present tonight in this uh, Bible study. We ask your spirit to move through this Bible study so that even if JD or myself misspeak, may your truth be revealed to those listening. May they have discernment as they listen and let all men be liars and let God be true. We pray this through your son's amazing name in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. All right. Amen. Again, Amen. Uh, you can't see what's happening. You can't see <clears throat> on screen, and we will have the Bible on screen. So if you want to join us, we are on YouTube. Link is in the bio. Um, it's either right there as soon as you go to the profile, like next to where you would hit follow. It's got like a little YouTube logo, or you can hit that beacons.ai. It's my link, and in there you can find the YouTube link. Uh, if you're over here on YouTube, you can join us, and it looks like about 25 other people in the comments section, and this usually picks up here in the next 20 minutes, uh, so it gets fun over here, uh, and it's less trolling because the trolls are way too lazy to come over from TikTok to here. Like, they come into TikTok thinking, I'm going to say something real quick, like, where's your God at? And, and they can't comment, so their day is ruined. Uh, they don't normally come over here to YouTube. But all right, guys, if you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open it up to the book of Galatians. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and bring it up on screen. And again, yeah. as always, we have been studying with KJV and the uh, ESV um, text comparison. Uh, and, you know, I know a lot of people have been really wanting to get onto the Logos thing because they see that's how I study the scriptures. And we do the Bible studies on the, on, on the, on the uh, podcast with it. So in the next episode or, or, or maybe after that, or maybe at the end of this episode, if we have time, I'm going to go ahead and take a little bit of time just to show some quick navigation and study tricks on here. And then I can clip that and upload that separately just because uh, it'll help you guys with your study uh, rather than depending on us. But if this is your first time viewing it, we've got the ESV and the KJV text comparison on screen. The Greek dictionary at the bottom of the screen because we are in the New Testament. So we don't need the Hebrew, right? Hebrew is your Old Testament. Greek is your New Testament. And then on the left, we have something called the Bible word study. I've had people, JD, that have went and got logos because they see me using it, and they quickly found out that it's not like default how I have it set up. Like it opens up and it's just blank. And like, all right, well now how do I do what you're doing? And I, like, yeah, all right, well I'm just studying it, play with it. But at the same time, I get it. Not everybody is as technical savvy, um, and, and sometimes they just like, well, how do I just make it look like yours? So we could do that at another time. Now, JD did say that this is his. He he, he knows this letter, so I'm gonna let him start it off. I just want to give you guys a little background of something that I'm sure JD already would, uh, already might have covered a little bit or he will cover. But going into this letter, I want you to be aware that the setting is very similar to uh, the letter of the Romans. And what I mean by that is, is there's a strife. There's a there's a there's an issue between the Greek Christians and the Jewish Christians. Now, however, the difference is why they have an issue. So the letter of the Romans uh, Paul is mainly addressing the fact that the Greeks are saved uh, by the same way that the Jews are and that the Jews aren't separated from the Greeks. They were chosen first to bring forth uh, the law and the oracles of God. And, and Paul really makes, them know, makes it clear, like, there's everybody's sinners. You're all broken. You're all fallen. You need God, uh, et cetera, right? So there's no division. In Galatians, there's a, it's, it's, it's huge here. And this is why you hear the famous passage, uh, in Christ Jesus, there is no Greek or Jew, no free or slave, right? Paul is really banging this one home. There's a divide in the church. And, and let's be honest, this divide exists in almost every one of the epistles. This is a big problem mm -hmm. that Paul is addressing. Post-biblical error, it is a divide that ended up happening, not just like 
head bumping, but the Jews and the Christians ended up splitting. That they're, they're, We no longer are like we were in the New Testament, where we're all basically Jews and, and Greeks hanging out together. No, like Christianity is heavily Gentile now. Um, but uh, so this problem never really got solved fully because man's fallen nature. However, so Paul's addressing that. And I want you to be aware of what the problem in Galatia is. There is people teaching that in order to be a Christian, one must be circumcised. And this comes from some people's false teaching, but also a misconception of what Peter was doing. And, and I'm sure JD's going to cover that. We're going to see it in scripture. But Peter, although Peter was not teaching incorrectly, Peter was doing things that led people to believe that they needed to be circumcised. Uh, and, and I want to save the meat of that till we get to that portion of Galatians. But I just want you to yeah. remember in the back of your head that this is what's happening in this church. And here comes Paul. And like, like JD said, first time Paul's really appearing a lot. And, and he kind of gives his intro. So I want you to put your mind there, right? I tell you guys this all the time. Don't read the Bible from the future. You already know Jesus is king. You already know what Paul is going to say. You already know who Paul is. Instead, put your mind into the reader on how you're receiving this letter. With all that being said, I will let JD kick it off however he sees fit. Yeah, and I mean, again, you know, thanks for that one, brother. And what we see is, is that Paul visited Galatia twice. And, and what happened was there was a sect of Jews called Judaizers. You guys have heard of the Judaizers. They came out of Palestine. And, and the purpose that Paul, the purpose for this is they came out of Palestine and they were teaching the Christians, the early Christians, that they had to be circumcised, number one. And number two, that they still had to follow the Mosaic law. They still had to follow the law of Moses. And also, they questioned Paul's authority. They questioned Paul's authority as an apostle. They questioned where Paul got his teachings from. And ultimately, what they've done is, much like we see today, is, is they sow seeds of doubts into the Galatian believers. So these Galatians are gullible. And you can take a lot from this letter because we have Christians today who are still so gullible that they will hear something. And because it sounds good and because it's, it's, it's well thought out and well put together, they will fall for the trick and they will be like, oh, okay, maybe I must still do that. Maybe I still need to do that. Maybe I still need to adhere to this. Again, um, Chad and I covered this briefly. When we look at the fulfillment of what Christ did and what Jesus meant when he said he came to fulfill the law and the prophets. And, and again, that's a good episode. We, we might get into that at some point, but this is the, the overview of, of, of Galatians. So real quick, because of what GD said, I want to show you guys something right here. This is called, um, the Pauline paradox. I do not recommend you read it. It's from 119 Ministries. If you know who that is, it's a Torah observer kind of mindset. I don't know if they would be considered Torah observant, but it's basically where they go at with it. And if you read the back of this, it says, many would say that those commandments from God's law are no longer intended for us as Christians. And they often cite the Apostle Paul's letters to support this conclusion. But does Paul really teach that believers in the Messiah no longer need to keep these commandments in this book? We go through each of Paul's writings about the law of God to answer this question. Um, I had someone send me this because they wanted to bring me the truth, right? Uh, but just in, I just want to point out that what JD just pointed out is still happening today. They're mm -hmm. still questioning the exact same things. And we see people that mainly attack Paul, too. I know you've all, if you've been a Christian longer than three months, I'd say, and you've been online or in any public discourse, you've heard, oh, you follow Paul. 
Oh, Paul changed everything. Paul is a heretic and he he's the reason why, you know, the Bible's corrupted and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, they're still doing it today. Yeah, 100%. I mean, and this just goes back to what we see in Ecclesiastes 1. There is nothing new under the sun. If someone comes saying this is new, this is new, look at this, look at this. Uh, we see, even Solomon knew that, that the deception... Um, as well as everything we see going on around us in the world, these are not new things. These are new deceits that, you know, they just gift wrap differently. But we just, ultimately, uh, we, the bears are what we thought they were. We see this. What, what, what we thought <laughs> they were. We played them in preseason. Who the hell takes a third game in a preseason like it's bullshit? Bullshit. Oh, I didn't know that that clip was going to have some vulgar language in it. <laughs> I was like, what's going on? What's going on? <laughs> he goes, they are who we thought they are. My bad, yeah. guys. You're all adults. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, so they we see this. And I mean, ultimately, and, and again, like they question they question Paul's authority and they say, well, where did you get this information from? And Paul, Paul, Paul breaks it down here in these very first verses. I'm going to go straight into this because he says, yeah, Paul, an apostle. And then we see this in brackets in the KJV. Um, the ESV doesn't put it in brackets, but here he goes. Not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So again, we see very clearly from Scripture that Paul understood the triune nature of God. He understood God in three persons. Amen. This wasn't when people say, ah, oh, the, tr the Trinity was invented by the Catholic Church. No, it wasn't invented. It is, it is throughout Scripture. And then he goes, and to all the brethren which are with me, unto the churches of Galatia. So Paul had planted many churches. In those days, we see that most churches were smaller congregations. There, if three people were in a household, it was considered a church. So this is why also the manuscripts would be copied and passed on to multiple churches and why we sit today with, with six over 6,000 manuscripts plus the textual variants and so on and so forth. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father from and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Again there, God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from the, this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So that's how Paul starts most of his epistles. We see he always starts with that loving entrance. He acknowledges Jesus Christ. He acknowledges God the Father in most of his epistles. And yeah, 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 he gets into it. And and this is the question we ask, we all, we all sit and you go through some TikTok videos and you ask this question. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. I mean, and there we see that where, where Paul says, I marvel in the KJV, in the ESV, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of God. And, and this is a big one. This is a big one because that's what we see again. A lot of people do not understand the principle of grace. They do not understand what Jesus Christ came to accomplish and why we preach Christ crucified and nothing other than Christ Jesus and him crucified. Go ahead, bro. No, I was just interested myself at what that word being used there for, um, deserting or in the King James, I think, what did it say? Um, come on, stop doing that. Uh, removed. So it says, you know, so soon removed. 
in the ASV, it says deserting. So I just wanted to look up that word, uh, which in the Greek is metathesiste. <laughs> That's a big one, which means to transfer. Or it has an example of I go over to another party. Um, then it has I desert and I change. So it's not just deserting, but it's it's a choice of change. It's not being taken away. Like that's what I, so I'm looking at it and all these are option of decisions that you've made, right? So if you, you could quickly, obviously you all know this, but again, it's just sometimes you might think, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you. You could, depending on the way you, that you read that, think that this is a person that's being pulled from Christ. But if you read it, especially in the ESV with deserting, this is an act. Why are you, Paul's like, why are you leaving? You're so quickly leaving what you've been taught. You've been you've been uh, established with this. They, you've heard the gospel, and you choose to go to this other side. So I just wanted to. That's all I was doing. I wasn't. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was just picking into that myself. Amen. Amen. And then here we go. He, he clarifies that immediately, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you. The some that trouble are these Judaizers that have come in and and preach something different. And then he goes, look what he says here. He uses this word and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Now, we see everyone everywhere else where Paul uses this, this, this terminology, perversion. He's speaking about, you know, uh, you know, sexual immorality. He's speaking about, you know, something that is completely disgusting. Um, you know, it's, it's not they've taken something beautiful and they've corrupted it. And, and this is this is ultimately what Paul is saying they pervert the gospel amen and uh it's a it's a big one it's a big one um but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than what we than that which we have preached unto you let him be accursed and as we said before so now i say again if any man preach any other gospel unto you than what ye have preached let him be accursed for do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be a servant of Christ. I mean, there's so much to say. So yeah, much to say, right? Yeah, there's, there's, there's way too much to say. Let's just point one thing out right here. This is the first time in, in all of Scripture and the only time where Paul literally repeats himself back to back. He's, he's making this so clear that you need to hear this. He says it twice, but yeah. even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. So twice that gets stated, accursed is to be separated from Christ, separated from the faith. And I want to just point something out that I think is really interesting uh, that I only recently really paid attention to, how Paul emphasizes if we or an angel saying, I'm not talking about just a random person. I'm saying, I don't care if it's an angel. I don't care if it's an apostle. And this not only tells me, one, that there is no other gospel. There's only one gospel. It doesn't matter who reveals something else. But also, it's showing that what the Holy Spirit reveals in these scriptures has more authority than anyone, even an apostle. Because Paul's warning yeah. you, saying, even if, and, and remember, uh, you don't know this yet, but we know he's about to rebuke another apostle as well, right? So he's making it clear. Like, I don't care. 
what what you think, uh, John or James or Peter or Nathaniel. I don't care. It's one gospel and one gospel mm -hmm. that saves you. Amen. 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 And, 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 verse and, and this 10, is and stick with all of you for the rest of your life. For am I now I mean, for the approval of man uh, or of God? If I was trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Let that be something that sticks with you forever. And and that's 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 so powerful what he says there. Because anyone, any true minister of Christ, he says a lot with without saying a lot. Any true minister of Christ, number one, is not going to preach a doctrine contrary to the doctrine which we have learned. He's not going to preach another gospel. And this is the other mark of the true servants of Christ is they are not men pleasers. You know, true servants of Christ will preach the truth in season, out of season, rebuking, exhorting with all love and long suffering. So this is this is what he's saying. I would not be a servant of Christ if I was seeking to please men or if I was seeking for approval of men. And then he goes on to say, but I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. So what does he mean? I mean, and this is this. I'll just pop over to the ESV quickly for this verse, because what we say here. Uh, for what for I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. So in the KJV, he says not after man. And there he says it's not man's gospel. So what Paul is saying here is the revelation he received of the gospel, the grace of God was not given to him by the apostle Peter, wasn't given to him by James. It was given to him by Christ Jesus. And he goes on to say this for neither received I it of man, neither was I taught it but by revelation of Christ Jesus. So he puts, he, again, he puts clarity on his statement. He puts clarity. So when he says preached is not after man, that's what he's saying. He didn't receive this from other men. For you have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion. So now he's talking about him being a Jew. And he goes in the Jews' religion that how that beyond measure, I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. So Paul is literally coming out saying, I used to kill Christians. I know all about what they believe. He's, he's reaffirming that he was a part of that belief system and he was persecuting the church of God. He was killing Christians because he thought he was doing the right thing. And he goes on to elaborate this when he says, and, it, and profited in the Jews religion above many my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers, confirming the Mosaic law. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, being the Gentiles, being those who hadn't heard of Christ yet, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. So what we see there, just a brief stop, is, is that Paul went up to the mountain, the same mountain, it is believed where Moses went up. And it is believed that Paul there spent time with Christ Jesus alone and everything he was told to preach, he received by direct revelation from Christ on the mountain. This is this is what. But again, when we look at other passages where Paul speaks, 
Paul speaks of himself in the third person. He's very humble in his approach. So again, like we met, we touched on the other day, when people come out and they say they, they saw Jesus and they had conversations with Jesus and they went to heaven or they went to hell, whatever the case may be, we go to the scriptures and we go, this is not how the apostle Paul spoke. This is not how the apostle Peter spoke. This is not how John, who also saw Christ, who also saw revelation of the end, he saw heaven, he saw things that he was told to record, but what he didn't write, and you even see John saying, these things I cannot say. And Paul says in his thing, well, what was seen there is not lawful for me to utter on earth. So we see the, the reverence for God when it comes to speaking about his kingdom or heaven. So again, here he's saying the same thing. He wasn't revealed anything that he was preaching by men. He went up into Arabia and then returned unto Damascus. And yet, 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 here's where the punch comes in. Then three years after, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. Now, this is, this is, verse 18 is something you can really sit and you can chew on. So this is me and Mike, right? Hypothetically speaking, Mike's, Mike's a teacher. I'm a teacher. We're both preaching and we get together and we go, okay, what are you preaching? What am I preaching? And they sat together for 15 days, going backwards and forwards over this grace message, having heated arguments and debates about what was right and what wasn't right. And we see this, if you go to Acts chapter 15, we see, we see an example of this at the Council of Jerusalem. So we see here that three years after Paul was already preaching, he went up to Jerusalem to see Peter. And they spent two weeks together discussing what was being preached and if you scroll down <laughs> mr mike <laughs> and then we see yeah from verse 19 but the other apostles i saw none save james the lord's brother now the things which i write unto you behold before god i lie not afterwards i came into the regions of syria and cilicia and was unknown by the face unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which he once destroyed. And they glorified God in me. So there Paul in his very first chapter debunks many things that the Judaizers came to say. They, his, his authority as an apostle, where he got his knowledge from, how he received his knowledge, how, why he's preaching this thing. And he's confirming to them, listen to me. I mean, and if, let's just put this into layman's terms. If, 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 if someone comes to me and says, did you know Mike is actually keeping the Torah and he's undercover? I'm going to say to them, uh, you're lying. And they're going to go, well, by, how do you know we're lying? Why? Because I confer with Mike daily. We speak privately off air. So if someone comes to me with, this is who Mike is, based on three-minute videos they saw, I'm going to be like, you don't know him. You, you, you don't understand where he's getting at. And ultimately, we see a lot of that happening. So this is what they were saying. And the, 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 the Christians who were hesitant they were hesitant to, to believe what Paul's message saw Christ in him. And that's what he said. 
they glorified God in me. They glorified God in me. So chapter one, a lot of meat there. Paul completely debunks any argument that his authority was questioned, uh, debunks any argument that, that, that what he was teaching was from anyone other than Christ himself. Um, and, and, and this is what we see from chapter one. Yeah, I we mean, see a couple of things in here. We also see that uh, the church was already a thing when Paul showed up. Uh, there's some people that believe that, you know, the church didn't exist until Paul arrives and, and he starts the church. But Paul admits that he persecuted the church of God. And he said, uh, uh, all the churches of Judea that are in Christ. He said, I was an unknown person to these churches that are in Christ, these, these, these Christian churches. I think that it's also very interesting and it's not really anything special um, like you need to know. But uh, J.D. emphasized it, that Paul spent three years away before he did all this. And we believe that he was with the Lord. And if you think about it, Jesus's ministry was three years. All of his apostles got three years of training from him. And we know that God is a God of order. So I fully believe that there was a reason why Paul spent three years away, that he needed three years of discipleship by the Lord, uh, just as all the apostles were given. Um, so I do believe that. And then he comes in like, like, like uh, JD points out as he goes and he immediately goes to the apostles. He goes to his brethren to, to seek them and say, you know, here's what I'm bringing. And he says that it is not my gospel. It is not man's gospel. It's Jesus's gospel. Jesus's good yeah. news. And then we're going to roll here into the second chapter, which uh, again, this is where the, <laughs> this word actually starts to pick up because this was his intro yeah. warning yeah. people. Look, don't don't believe another gospel. There's only one gospel. And then yeah. uh, chapter two starts off. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaimed among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. So pay attention here. Uh, well, this isn't the topic tonight, but obviously it's something that uh, that's going to get discussed when we talk about this. You know that there are some people out there that believe in different gospels, right? There's a gospel for the kingdom and that was brought to the Jews and then the gospel to the Gentiles. But we see here Paul again saying that he went up to Jerusalem to present to them the gospel that I proclaimed among the Gentiles in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission, even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Pause there for a moment, because I don't want you to think that these are the spy you're thinking of, like the military spy that's in there to actually capture people into slavery. These are spies from Satan, the enemy, the darkness, the principalities. And by spy, we, these are these wolves. And that slavery is the law. That slavery is sin, which we have been freed from. 
So he's saying because of these false brothers that secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom, what freedom do we have in Christ Jesus? And it's against what? No more law. So that mm. they might bring us into slavery. Think about that next time you think about how when the tour keepers try to, I don't know, proselytize to you or a workspace gospel, what they're doing is they're trying to sweet talk you into slavery. They want yeah. you to be a slave of the law. They want you to be a slave of sin when you are free. I mean, it, it goes like this. It goes like this. And we see this on TikTok. They say things like, yes, we believe in Jesus. We just believe in all that Jesus taught. And we believe when Jesus said this, this is what he meant. So they, they carefully cherry pick certain passages where Jesus makes quotes. Again, Jesus spoke Oftentimes Jesus spoke in hyperbole, which clearly they don't understand. But we we see that Jesus spoke in hyperbole and in parables so that his words would be timeless. And again, when Christ was speaking, he was speaking to the audience and, and who it needed to affect in that audience at that moment. That we see this, if we go through the Gospels, we see this again and again and again unequivocally. So what Paul is saying here is, is they not they are not brothers, they are false brothers. Because why? They use the they use a lot of the right words. They preach a lot of the same things, but they're like, but you've got to do this. So there's always that but but moment where they pull them back into bondage. But yeah, Paul said to them we did not yield in submissive uh submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And then he says, and from those who seemed to be influential, I love this next line, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those I say who seemed influential added nothing to me. I love this verse right here. I, I, yeah. I know it's not much importance for a lot of things that you're studying in Galatians, but it, it's it's about learning that characteristic of Paul, especially if you want to be someone that goes out and brings the gospel, right? Uh, you want to obviously emulate people that did it well, and they did it well because of the Holy Spirit in them. So you're emulating God in them. Like Paul even said, he said, follow me as I follow Christ, right? He's not telling you actually follow him because he knows the way. He's saying, I'm following Christ, so follow me. Yeah, and amen. Paul recognizes that these men seem to be influential. What they were makes no difference to me, though. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. So even though these people had influential positions, right? And, and this is one that I bring up often when I have my conversations with Catholics, you know, whether, you know, I love them to death, my Catholic brothers and sisters, because I want to share the word with them. I want to help them uh, hear the word of God, right? Uh, but, you know, they often will pull hierarchy, right? Uh, well, who are you to do this? And you guys don't have authority because the way that they're, Religion works as it's a lot of structure and authority and influential people above people above people. And I, I go to Galatians too often. Like who who you are, it means nothing. I, I, yeah. I don't care what office you hold. This is the beautiful thing that the Bible has given us, and we're going to see Paul here express that as the as the least of the apostles about to correct the uh, the the head of the apostles in some people's opinion. Um, and then he's I mean, and he goes on to elaborate. Yeah. He goes on, on to elaborate this. Yeah. So everything Mark's just said, Paul goes on to elaborate this. Jen, I saw your question, and he goes, and he goes on verse 9. He tells us who these people of station were. So carry on, Mark. I just wanted to address that question. He goes on to tell us. Yeah. 
On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he, he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. I actually want to stop here for a second and point something out. This is not saying that Peter had a different gospel. It's saying that he was sent to the circumcised. He was sent to the Jews and, and Paul was sent to the Gentiles, which honestly I think is one of the most interesting uh, things you can actually look at when it comes to uh, God's sovereignty and him knowing more than us. Because I'll be honest with you, I guarantee it, if any Christian had to make the decision between sending Peter or Paul to the Jews and the Gentiles, we would all pick Paul to the Jews, as Paul just described in, in, in Galatians 1, right? He was above his peers. He was headed to be, uh, you know, great in, in his religion, and he had a zeal for it. And people respected him, and he knew the law. He knew the Torah. And Peter was a fisherman, and and he walked with Jesus and could share about Jesus, but he wasn't a respected Jew. Like, he wasn't a high-ranking Jew. Uh, he didn't have re uh, respect in the synagogue like Paul did. But yet, God says, you know, no, you're going to go to the Jews. And you're going to go to the Gentiles. I'm going to flip it around and show my sovereignty in this. Why? Because he who worked through Peter also worked through uh, Paul. So that's really all that matters. God shows off his power. And then he yeah. says, and then when James and Cephas and John, so Cephas is Peter, by the way. Um, Cephas is, uh, uh, is the Greek. So Cephas, uh, uh, actually, yeah, Cephas is the Peter, I guess you, I mean, uh, the, the, the Greek, I think that is. Yeah. But yeah, and when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. And I actually didn't even have this pulled up or planned or anything like that. So um, let me go ahead and pour, oops, I'm not even on the Bible. Hold on. I want to... Uh, Go over somewhere real quick. I think it's in First Timothy. Three. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, oh, darn it. Why would I do that? Sorry, guys. So uh, I have a lot of conversation with Catholics, as I mentioned. So sometimes I have people that will say to me, but the church is the pillar of truth, right? And, and where do we get that from? We see in verse 315 uh, in 1 Timothy, Paul says, If I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness, right? The church is the pillar of truth. However, yeah. I don't know if you all caught this. Verse 9, Galatians chapter 2. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me. So what is Paul saying here? That they are fellow members of the church, fellow brothers in Christ, seemed to be pillars, that they stood Reagan. on the foundation of truth. Yeah. When people say, but the church is the foundation of truth, look them in the eyes and say, amen, you're absolutely correct. But what is the church? And that's where the problem is. The church yeah. being the pillar of truth is each and every one of us when we stand on what is the foundation of truth, which is Jesus. 
because a pillar is what? A pillar is, is that foundation that holds up things, right? We stand on the foundation of Christ, and that's what makes us pillars of truth. Um, and, and I believe that this is evidence right here that the pillars of truth are us. And altogether, the church is the pillar of truth because obviously we are the church together. But here we see Paul saying, and one of James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me. They gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor. And the very thing I was eager to do. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because, because he stood condemned. The King James says, I withstood him to his face. Uh, uh, I think the NIV or something says, rebuked him to his face. Basically, that's what this is saying. This is saying that Paul, to his face, rebuked Peter. The, you know, many people, this is a great chapter, by the way. When you're talking to Catholics, right? As you can see, I keep going back to Catholic, uh, you know, points. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, here's this supposed pope, and I'm not, I'm not knocking Peter, but he was in the wrong, and and Peter said he he stood condemned, and then it says, for before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. So Peter was eating with the Gentiles, but when they came, James and the certain men. He drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. So what's being said here is that the Jew, the Gentiles felt like they had to be circumcised to be a part of that group. And let's just think about this very clearly. Obviously, the apostles were the main characters, right, to these people. That's why Paul had to tell him in 1 Corinthians, I didn't die for you. Peter didn't die for you. You don't follow him. You don't follow me. We follow Jesus. But regardless, let's just be very honest. If we lived in the time of Jesus and we knew that's the one Jesus walked with, we would probably uh, fanboy too. Like, let's just be very honest, right? So if Peter shows that he won't sit with Gentiles when circumcised are around, right, that's what they call the Jews, as a Gentile, you're going to feel like, well, man, I got to, I got to get circumcised. I mean, I heck, if I got to, then I will. And this was you being utilized with this false gospel that was being preached that one must be circumcised. Yeah. And what, what, what we see today, what we see today is, is, is it's not so much circumcision, but especially to those that are, that are, that are in the chat right now, younger in the faith, you, 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 you're starting to learn the Bible. You're starting to read the Bible and, and you see people say, well, you don't know the Bible well enough yet. And you don't know what that means. And, you know, the people that yield the word of God as a weapon to break other people down, um, that's the opposite of the gospel message. That's the opposite of why we have the word of God. The word of God is there to build up, build up, as we see, we'll see later on in this very chapter in Galatians 6, we'll see Paul goes into this. But we are to restore, even if someone has taken a scripture out of context or misinterpreted it, we who do understand, we, we go to them and go, hey, by the way, let's go check the context. Let's go a couple of verses down and a couple of verses up to get the full context of what's being said. And ultimately, if, we, if we're going to cherry pick, we, we, we can have a war, but it's not perfect. I know JD ain't just lied to your faces. 
when he said, when we get to chapter six later, bro, we had 45 minutes in and we not even finished chapter two. When we get to oh, chapter yeah, six on Monday is what he meant. Because if he thinks we get to chapter six, we about to start speed reading. But when I saw that their comic was not in step with the truth, like, I said, true the story. <laughs> but, uh, I didn't even realize the time. True story. Yeah, no, we're not getting to chapter six tonight. But uh, so here's the rebuke, though, by the way. So, but when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, so notice, oh man, matter of fact, oh Lord, thank you, thank you, Lord. Notice he didn't say anything about anything that Peter was teaching, nothing about Peter's teaching. It was all about his conduct. You can't judge me. You can't, don't be a fruit inspector. Listen what he says. But when I saw that their conduct, was not in step with the truth of the gospel. I said to Cephas before all of them, so why didn't you pull me to the side? Why didn't you say it in private? Why didn't you pray for me? He said it in before all of them. If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? Look at all that meat right there as we see that the conduct that a man carries himself, the conduct, and 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 this goes. And I, I this is my first time really noticing this. I'm be honest with you. That's why y'all saw me go like, oh wait a minute. James says that our wisdom should be demonstrated in our conduct. James says that right, and I pointed it out before. I see it now right here. Paul wasn't worried about what Peter was preaching. Paul was yeah. worried about what Peter's actions were teaching. Because what you preach and what your actions teach can be two different things. 100%. He said, Straight we ourselves... Are, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I agree. <laughs> he said, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I build what I, if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm trying to finish this chapter off real quick. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Uh, go ahead and carve out about 15 minutes. JD, go ahead. I'm going to just let you start on this path where we started. Out. I mean, yeah. And, and yeah, this is, this is, I love, I love how he ends chapter two. So, you know, again, knowing that man is not justified by the walk, works of the law, which Paul also confirms to those in, in Romans and in Corinth, that no flesh will stand before God justified. No flesh will inherit the kingdom of God. He's, he's saying this and he, again, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by faith of Christ. So <clears throat> what we see here again, and, 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 you know, I know, I know Pastor Kenny agrees with me on this and, and especially those that, that have studied, 
the, the word of God, we see that justification takes place the moment the, the moment you believe the gospel. Justification isn't a, it's not a, it's not a step program. You don't get justified over time. Justification isn't a little bit now and a little bit later. We are justified when we believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is why he's saying that we are justified by the faith of Jesus Christ. So if you have faith in the gospel, you have been justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. And he says, and not by the works of the law. Again, we see that no one can be saved by keeping the law. Also, moreover, when we go through the Bible in the Old Testament, we see that none of the prophets, none of the prophets kept the law. None of them were able to keep the law. None of the judges listened to God. Samson literally broke every single command yes, God gave him. Yes, he every did. single multiple one. times, <laughs> multiple times, and 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 here we see God's grace has always abounded, and that's why that's why Paul says so in Romans five, where sin abounded, grace abounded even more. So this is why he said he, when he's talking about justification, justification comes by faith in Christ Jesus alone. So this ties in perfectly with what we see in Ephesians two verse eight, nine, and ten. That we are we are saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus, not of ourselves, not of works. It's nothing we did, nothing we can do. It is by Jesus Christ going to the cross, and that's it. And having faith that He is the Son of God, that He was crucified, and that He rose again on the third day. But then He goes on to say, "But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are found sinners." Therefore, is Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself the transgressor. So he's literally saying, are we, are we, are we promoting sin? Are we, are we saying, go ahead and sin all you want? Because that's what grace is? No. He's saying, God forbid. Certainly not. That's not what I'm saying. Because if we go back into the life we once lived, we make ourselves transgressors for though the law for for i through the law am dead to the law that i might live unto god do you see that there? Yeah. such an important verse verse 19 for i through the law am dead to the law where do we see this out where, where else do we see this paul says to us in romans chapter 6 if it was not for the law i would not have known what it was what what coveting is if it wasn't for the law, we wouldn't know what adultery is. If it wasn't for the law, we wouldn't know what murder is. This is what Paul is saying. And then he goes on to amplify, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Confirming what he says to us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he, he gives them the same instruction. He said, everyone, everyone that is now renewed or regened, born again in Christ Jesus, no longer lives for themselves, but for the one who gave them, gave himself for them. So this is why when people say, you who are grace ambassadors, give people a, a license to sin. That's absolutely not what we're saying. We're simply stating the facts. That you will sin. You will sin again and again. You will fall short again and again in your flesh. And this is why we do not walk, as we see in, in, in Romans 8 verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in 
Christ Jesus. Not know about him, not have heard a story about Christ, those who are in Christ Jesus. And there he goes on in verse 21 to again amplify his statement by saying, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law and Christ is dead in vain, or Christ died for no purpose. He's saying, if you think you can justify yourself by keeping the Mosaic law, by getting yourself circumcised, by keeping the feast days, by doing all of these things, by all means, all you are doing is, is you are frustrating the grace of God and you're saying Jesus' finished work on the cross was just not good enough for you. Might have been good enough for them, but it's not good enough for you. And this is ultimately what it means to frustrate the grace of God when we add to the gospel or remove from the gospel. Yeah, 100%. And and I think that it's important to note that, I mean, like Jenny just said, if, if Christ's death was unnecessary, why would he have done it if you could keep the law? But I highlighted the, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. What a profound statement that I don't think people realize alone destroys some arguments that we see inside the Christian body. For example, eternal security. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So let me ask you guys a question. If I was to fall away from the faith, lose the Holy Spirit, and no longer be saved, are you saying that the old me that became crucified with Christ and that it's no longer me in me, but Christ in me? Are you saying Christ leaves and then I get back in there and like, I resurrect from the cross that I am on with. You see how that got real, it just got real confusing. It doesn't work. It, it, it's for second Timothy makes it clear. Even if you are faithless, he is faithful because Christ cannot deny himself for if Christ is in you, it is him in you. And this is literally what is our soteriology. Our, our, our soteriology is the, uh, you know, our belief in what saves, right? Why are you justified the minute that you come into faith? You heard J.D. say it a minute ago, right? He said that you're justified instantly because it's his finished work on the cross. So if Christ is in me, I'm justified, not because of me, but because it's Christ in me. So it's not my working to be justified. It is the one who is justified is now in me because he has done his work. He has finished his, his race. He has done what was necessary to save us. And if Christ is in me, he cannot deny himself. If Christ is in me, there is no my own will anymore. People are like, well, what are you saying? Christians don't have free will. They can't rebel against God. Who rebelled against God? For if, 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 if what Paul is saying right here, if you and I are both Christians and we affirm that the Holy Spirit is speaking through Paul, then the word of God says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So who Amen. walked away? If you still had the will to walk away from God, then this verse doesn't apply to you. And if this verse doesn't apply to you, you're not justified. If this verse doesn't apply to you, you're not saved. If this verse doesn't apply to you, you were never saved. So again, that's I digress. It. I digress. Yeah, and that's 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 so spot on because this is and this is why people get upset when we say when we say things like you were never saved, and they're like, yes, I was. I, I prayed in tongues. I'm like, okay, that that's supposed to signify what? Because yeah, we see I have been crucified with Christ. 
which means you died with Christ, which means you were raised to life with Christ. You cannot die and be raised to life to walk away to another life. That's not how it works. You were either never saved or you were saved. Those are the only two options. And he goes on to elaborate in chapter three, which which is my favorite chapter. I'm gonna this go ahead and get my favorite chapter. Chapter. I'm gonna go run and grab a Tylenol because I'm having my head. I'm having a headache that's kicking in. So I'm gonna let you go okay. ahead and chapter three while I go grab a Tylenol real quick. Sweet brother. And yeah, we see he starts off chapter three this way. Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you this only what i learn of you received ye the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith are ye so foolish having begun in the spirit that you are now made perfect by the flesh have you suffered so many things in vain if it be yet in vain so let's just cover those four verses quickly he's literally calling them fools He's calling them fools because, and he's saying they're under a spell. They've, they've been bewitched. They've, they, they've definitely been deceived because they now no longer want to obey the truth. They've witnessed, they've witnessed Christ Jesus being crucified. And we, we see this because one, one, one thing we know about Galatians, again, as I said in the beginning, this is, one, this is Paul's first epistle that he wrote. It is estimated that Paul wrote this in... Uh, <laughs> between 48 and 52 AD, which means a mere 18 to 22 years after the crucifixion of Christ. So he's speaking to an audience who were alive during the time that Jesus Christ was crucified. So he's saying, he's saying, yeah, Christ hath been evidently set forth and crucified among you. This only what I learn of you received ye the spirit by the works of the Lord. And he's asking them. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by keeping the law or by the hearing of faith? And, and, and then we can go through we can go through the book of Acts and we can see all, all these examples of, of, of how the brothers and sisters in Christ received the Holy Spirit. But none of them received the Holy Spirit by keeping the law. None of them received the Holy Spirit by, by perfecting the flesh. And this is why he's saying, how are you so foolish having begun in the spirit. So you received this, you heard the faith, you heard about Jesus Christ, you witnessed the witness accounts, you saw that Jesus Christ was crucified, you witnessed him raised from the dead. We've got all these witnesses who witnessed him raised from the dead. You who begun in the spirit are now all of a sudden made perfect by getting circumcised and keeping the law. So the, he's literally saying, you're going, you, you go, you're going backwards. You're going backwards. You begun in the spirit, and now all of a sudden you're going to be perfected by the faith, uh, by 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 the law, and not by the hearing of faith. I mean, and and this is then he goes on to say, have you suffered all of these things that you've gone through in vain? If it be yet in vain, he therefore that ministereth to you the spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law? Or by the hearing of faith. Now Paul's even throwing in the signs and wonders that they have witnessed. He's saying, so all these things you've seen. You've seen people 
eyes open. You've seen you've seen miracles. You've seen deaf ears open. You've seen eyes open. Was this was this by keeping the law? Was this by refraining from bacon? Was this by keeping the Sabbath? What happened? No, it didn't. And then he goes on by saying he poses the question or by the hearing of faith. And then he goes on to say, even. Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for what? For righteousness. It was accounted to him for righteousness. Slow down. Power. Man. Slow down. You got so much here. <laughs> Hold on. I was gone for a second and now I'm back. Um, because I want I want to I want to I want I want you guys to focus on what JD is giving you guys right now. Because JD's giving you, he's just pouring and pouring. And I want you to hear something because. There's two different things that can be happening when you're reading scripture. You could be reading the actual situation that's happening and how Paul is addressing it. But then you can also look deeper in how these situations can exist today. So ask yourself, clearly what's happening right here is men following uh, the law. But what's really happening? What is really happening with these Jews? It's pride. It is pride as what we see in Romans, what we see in Galatians, what we see in other letters that the chosen people of God. We are, we are better than the Gentiles, which was really hard for the Jews to let go of. You need to understand that for the whole entire Old Testament, right? They're God's chosen people, God's chosen race, the, the anointed ones chosen by God. And I've shared this with you before, that Jews never thought that they were saved by the law. They thought they were saved by the fact that they were the chosen people of God. They were given the law because they are the chosen people of God, right? And this is why they wanted to throw Jesus off of a cliff in Nazareth, because he pointed at two pagan Gentiles and said they had faith, while Israelites were, were, were in unbelief. Right. So right here, he's talking to them saying, you guys are acting foolish that what's being made perfect in the spirit. You can go to the flesh. Right. Because the flesh is is the outward uh, sign of Judaism. I think Paul says it in this letter or he might say it somewhere else that a Jew is not just a Jew uh, outwardly, but inwardly. Right. Um, but I want you to focus on something that we're seeing here is pride. And if you really want to know the, 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 the nutshell, the, the main issue when it comes to works-based and Torah observance and going under the law, it's all about pride. Um, I think it was Dr. James White. And yes, I'm quoting Dr. James White. I know last time I did that, I got some flack. Don't care. Um, he had an incredible interview where he was asked, why do people continuously try to you know, fall back into works-based uh, gospels? And he summarized it with pride, saying that the hardest and the easiest thing is the gospel. And I'm paraphrasing extremely right now. So don't go thinking I'm quoting him perfectly. But even though the gospel is easy to deny yourself and give yourself to Christ, it's the hardest thing for man. Because man wants to re be responsible for everything that we do. It's natural in us from when we're children and we're like, I did that. I did that. That was me. I made that. I drew that. I, I, I look, put that on the fridge. It's mine. I did that. We get older. Like, yeah, look at me. I got to look good on my first day of school. You might not have been in the clothes, but you wanted to build the computer. You wanted to program that thing. You wanted to draw that thing in your job. You want people to recognize. We want people to see us as we do. Like, look at me. If you don't realize that in today's society, I mean, even we as Christians fall into this, right? I have, I am so thankful that I have the wife I have who won't let me get big headed. And then if I even mention like, oh man, my followers went up, she'd be like, well, that's all God. I'm like, you right. <laughs> yep, you right. Like a reminder. And we need to do that because pride is what leads 
to workspace gospels. And it's not always just in, like we've mentioned before, Jenny and I've talked about it. It's not always in works. It can become even in doctrine. You have to know what I know. You have to look at it the way I explain it. Um, and yeah. I think I made a video earlier talking about how, uh, you know, the saying, God gives his toughest battles to his strongest warriors is setting up your pride because it's like this lie to you that, oh, the reason why God's putting you through that is because you have enough to get through it. No, God doesn't give his toughest battles to his strongest warriors. He gives his toughest battles to the weakest to remind you, you need me. Gideon was not strong. Gideon was a coward, but God through him was excellent and powerful. God uses our weaknesses to show off his power. So don't let your pride overcome because that's what's happening with these men. I'm Jewish. I'm the chosen people of God. Same thing we see in Romans. And then yeah. I just want to point out, um, JD was talking about the flesh and the spirit. This is why I love going around the different things Paul writes. And it's really awesome to really correlate. Because again, imagine, JD, I was thinking about this earlier. If, if the New Testament happened today, Think about it this way. We're just reading a bunch of Paul's emails because that's what a letter is, right? These are just thoughts yeah. of Paul. Obviously, the Holy Spirit is in it, and that's why it's the scriptures. But, like, these are letters, not like this is direct revelation. Paul was writing letters, Holy Spirit infused. And, therefore, a lot of the things he says, when you look at all of his different um, his different um letters, a lot of it flows just like if you watch a bunch of my videos, even though I don't make my videos thinking of another video I've made, I guarantee you, you can spot things in my videos like, oh, that's, I remember he talked about it over here. And if you go to that video, you might get more clarification on how I view something, right? Let's look at Romans 8 real quick. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free. Go back over where we were at. What did, what did JD just read? Sorry, yeah. let me go up, let me go up, or where was it? Having begun in the spirit and ye, now you are made perfect in the flesh? Well, wait a minute, yeah. the spirit is what saves because it's what is the law of the spirit of life set us free from? It sets us free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God Amen. has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the life of <coughs> Flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So if it is the spirit that saves and the flesh is not what saves, why would you be going back into the flesh thinking that there's anything there for you? All right, that's all I really, I walked back in the room and I heard JD spitting hot fire like Dylan. I don't know, in, in South Africa, did y'all ever hear about Dylan spits hot fire? Top five rappers, Dylan, Dylan, Dylan? No? See, he doesn't understand our American pop culture jokes. <laughs> but um, where were you at? What verse? Um, Abraham, uh, verse six, now seven, yeah. Go ahead. Abraham, yeah. And he goes, he goes on, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, what is he talking about? Again, we see this in Isaiah. We see this in, we, we, see, we, we see the prophet Isaiah is quoted by Paul 36 times. He often goes to Isaiah because Isaiah makes lots of mention of God's restoration for, for, for the Gentiles that would come. No one knew how it would come. No one understood when it would come. But now 
I mean, he elaborates on this, saying if they had known, if they had known, if the Pharisees and the scribes and all of those, if they had known, they would never have crucified the Lord of glory. They wouldn't have put Jesus on the cross if they had known. And, and this is ultimately what we see. People that think that give the devil too much power, that think the devil is omnipresent, and the devil knows inside your head what's going on with you specifically every minute of every day. Uh, yet we see that this is this is not this is this is not how it works. JD, I'm sorry. This is I love it when something pops up to me. JD, go to verse. JD, go to verse eight and read it real slow, real quick. Just read it real slow, and I'm gonna stop you and see if you catch something. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, stop. saying. Stop. There we go. Yeah. Read that last couple of words. Just read that last couple of words one more again. Yeah. Preach before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, so in thee shall all nations Paul be. Is Paul the first person to ever deliver the gospel? Or do we see the gospel preached unto Abraham, saying, in these the nations be blessed? Just a, you know, you know what that is. I just, I digress. Yeah. I mean, and, and this is ultimately why we have these, why we have these conversations, the gospel message, the gospel message. And again, this is, this is, uh, you know, I understand there are, there are various. And, and again, I've said it many, many times and I'll say it. I love my mid acts brothers and sisters in Christ. I do love them. I do love I them to bits and pieces. And, and again, we, we can disagree without taking, you know, stabs at individuals. And, and we disagree on, on, on multiple gospels. And we, we stand in agreement, those that are here. And even if you don't, again, this is not, this is not something I'm going to get into. But what we see here is that the gospel message, the good news, the good news prophesied by Isaiah, by the psalmist, and many other prophets about what Jesus Christ would come and do. I mean, we see throughout the scriptures that Jesus fulfilled over 300 messianic prophecies. You know, there were prophecies about the coming Messiah and Jesus fulfilled every single one of them. That this gospel message is from Genesis through to Revelation. This is, this is a gospel message that is constant. That is constant. The good news is a constant message. And yet we see. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone that continueth not in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. What do we see in James 2 verse 10? In James 2 10, he says to us, if you transgress the law in one area, you have transgressed the entire law. The entire law. So this is why we say to people, when we look at these Torah observers, and, and how many times have Mark and I said it, when you wake up in the morning, are you glorifying God? Are you, are you literally loving the Lord your God with all your mind, all your soul, all your strength, 24-7? Or are you thinking about me, myself and I, during those, during those 24 hours that we have in a day? And if you're honest with yourself, you will see that when Paul says we fall short of the glory of God daily, we fall short of the glory of God daily. And this is this is a question of honesty. 
this is this is a question of honesty are you honestly fervently seeking to please god because if you are then you will honestly admit your shortcomings because ultimately we know and mike went over it earlier in proverbs 6 the god hates a lying tongue so those who come out and say that they are following the law of god and they are doing so better than christ himself did because let's be honest some of these torah observers are, are way above jesus by their own standards they they literally act like they are keeping 613 ordinances which again as as chad also mentioned when he was on the on the podcast this is not possible because there is no temple there is no <laughs> sacrifice so so not, it's not even the will or the want to to keep the law it's not possible it's not humanly possible for anyone today especially in 2023 to keep the law it is impossible to keep the law so again what is paul saying to them yeah but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of god it is evident for they shall live by faith what do we always say we are saved by grace through faith in who jesus christ and the finished work of the cross and and this is ultimately when when i see brothers and sisters battling with sin and they come across these videos where we've we, we've seen you're smoking you go to hell you you look at me funny you go to hell you you know you eat too many chappies in a day you go to hell there, there are those on tiktok who preach hellfire from a perspective of you know they keeping the law and they doing things better than you are but if they're honest they've denied god in in many 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 ways and this is what paul says here christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us for it is written curse is everyone that hangs on a tree there again quoting from the old testament quoting from the prophecy and 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 this is what we see Paul makes so many references to the Old Testament, just again, proving his authority as a Pharisee of Pharisees of the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day, as he says to us. It, 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 it's, it's evidently clear. Paul knew the prophets. He knew the writings of the prophets. He understood the law better than most Torah keepers today do. And he is saying, brethren, I speak after the manner of men. He's speaking in a way that you can understand. He's like, listen to me. Though it be but a man's covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. Power right there. I mean, and just go over those 13 through 15 in the ESV again, Mark, because lots of power there. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law to, by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. And that, that I mean, that's the same thing that Paul says in Romans 8. By becoming um, sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. And, and for those that... For those that argue with you when you say that, you know, well, they'll, they'll say, well, Christ said, I did not come to abolish the law. But well, what, what did he do? He fulfilled the law. And take them here. What does this mean? If, if the law still requires my commitment of, of servitude, what does it mean when it says Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law 
by becoming a curse for us. Define that in a Torah keeper kind of understanding. Because what are you doing under the law? The reason why you keep the law is so that the curses don't come upon you, right? Cursed are those that break the laws of this book. The curses come upon you, right? That's why the, the law is called the blessing and the curse. And I think it's hilarious that I've run into some Hebrew Israelites before uh, because Hebrew Israelites and Torah keepers, very similar, very similar as far as their 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 mm -hmm. you know, view of the law. And I and I said, like, man, you you putting yourself under the cursing and the bless, uh, the blessing and the curse. He's like, are you calling the law a curse? I'm like, yes, I am. He's like, bro, how are you going to blaspheme God like that? I'm like, I'm using the same description God uses for it. It is a blessing and a curse. It is That's what the Old Testament tells you what the law is, uh, because there are curses that come along with it. In fact, there was a, they did an entire ceremony where one mountain and, and another mountain and one was the mountain of the curse. <laughs> like yeah. the, the, this is not new information. Um, yep. And then so verse 14 says, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Again, let's understand this. Before Jesus, it was only one group of people that were chosen by God. God split the nations up at Babel. He kept one for himself. That nation became Israel. But as Jesus reminds us, salvation comes through the Jews, right? So Jesus comes into the uh, into the world and brings salvation to the world. And then it, so so it says so that in Christ Jesus the blessings of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified nobody right yeah and that's that's the reality there i mean and that verse alone should tell everyone that is on this chat right now everything you need to know about the law is is no one can today add more ordinances no one can remove ordinances those things that were were and as paul says to us in romans as well the law of god is holy yes it is holy because it's god's law there's nothing wrong with god's law there's everything wrong with us as men not being able to keep God's law. This is this is what he's saying. So the curse of the law, as, as we see in, in, in Romans chapter 5, as by one man sin entered into the world, so many. And he says, even though the law had not yet been given, sin still reigned. Death still reigned. Before the law of Moses, these things were still in effect. Before it was physically passed on to Moses. It was still very present because God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So it is there. But again, we don't understand the fullness of the grace of Jesus Christ that we have received. And that's listen, that's. Listen what he keeps yeah. going on with saying. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one. And to your offspring, who is Christ. This, so Paul is also letting us know right now that the one that the promise was for was for Christ, right? And he's the one who leads us into this, uh, this, this gift. Then it says, this is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterward, does not annul a covenant 
previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. So what's Paul saying right here? That the law was never the plan of redemption. The plan of redemption was given to Abraham. The law is the middle ground that prepared us for redemption. The law happened in the middle to get us to redemption. So you have Abraham, you have a promise for eternity, a promise that all nations will be blessed by his offspring, who would be the Christ, who would be the king, because salvation comes through his people. And then after that, 430 years, a law is given because God has set apart that nation, preparing them to bring away the, the, the Messiah. And through that law, the revelation of who God is and that we are sinners and that we need a savior. And then the savior comes. The law is a part of the plan of redemption, but it is not the plan of redemption. It has always been Christ Jesus. It will always be Christ Jesus. And today, as you hear this now, it is Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. For, for, uh, uh, for if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. I mean, what kind of inheritance comes by law? Imagine if your grandpa said, when I die, you're going to get $15 million, but only if you follow specific laws. No. That's not that a promise is what it comes by. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions until the offspring should come to whom the promise has been made. And it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promise of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would, would indeed be by the law. So much meat. Let's go back real quick. Um, yeah, I mean, packets, man. Packets and packets and packets. Again, confirming confirming what we always preach and what we always say. You said it before you even read it. It's always been Jesus. It'll never stop being Jesus. It was always about Jesus. The promise was Jesus. He is the promised Messiah. He is the fulfillment of scripture. He is the fulfillment of prophecy. He is the beginning and the end. He is the first. He is the last. He is the alpha. He is the omega. And we see all of this in, in, in so, so little, but yet so much. Amen, brother. Meet Mark. Yeah, so why the law? And he's, he reminds us it's, it's there for a reason, right? Until the offspring, that's Jesus, should come, because he just defined that. He told us who that offspring is. So basically, it's basically, I mean, Paul's laying this out so clear for you. Why then the law? The law was added because of transgressions, because of sin. Until Jesus should come, to whom the promise has been made, and it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. So this is talking about on Mount Sinai. Now, I know you might say, well, wait a minute. The story that I read says it was Moses and God. There are parts of the Old Testament that make it clear that it wasn't just Moses and God on that mountaintop. However, there were also the holy ones of God. So Moses got to be in the presence of God and his uh, heavenly hosts. Also, I believe that this is pointing a little bit to Jesus being in the Old Testament. Uh, you know, the angel of Yahweh, which we believe is Jesus in the Old Testament, because Paul says, now, an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. So he's kind of throwing out that uh, it's it's more than one, but it's one. And then he says, is the law then contrary to the promise of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. So he's telling you the law is not contrary to faith. 
the law had a purpose, but if the law was about salvation, then then there would be no need for, for this, right? Then if righteousness could be indeed come by the law, then that's what it would be. But what does Jesus say in John chapter five? You search the scriptures as if they have eternal life, but it is they that bear witness to me. Paul's saying the same thing right here. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. The promise Boom. by faith in Jesus Christ. Remember, we've been talking about Abraham this whole time too. That's a promise about Jesus from back then. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. Again, what did I say? Promise given to Abraham. And then there's a period where the law guides us to Jesus. It brings yeah. us there. Paul uses the word. It's a guardian. Um, what's the, uh, uh, the, uh, the King James says schoolmaster, which yes. So it's guiding you there. It's teaching you who you are. The law is a mirror. And the best way to know who you are is to look in the mirror. And that's what the law is. The law lets you know exactly who you are so that you would put your faith in Jesus. Because again, that word faith means trust. So like in the simplest terms, the law showed you how dirty you are so that you can know you need to trust Jesus to save you because you can't do it yourself. Yeah, That's amen. what Paul just said right there. That's what, that's what Paul said. Yes. But now that... No, 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 no. Carry on. I'm on. I'm just, yeah, I just going to say, just, just confirming, just, just confirming everything you've just said. Again, we see that it's, it's always been the promise of the coming Messiah. And, and again, the, the law, as we see, Paul says to us so clearly, the law revealed what sin was in us. Amen. Man, and, I'm and, so thankful. Hey, whoever recommended Galatians, thank you. Yeah. Amen. Amen. It's absolutely power. Absolutely power. You missed verse 23. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto faith, which should afterwards be revealed. I, I read that verse. I think I think Pastor Kenny over there was just so in shock at the amazing preaching of JD. He's still back in Galatians uh, uh, 2. That's where he's at right now. <laughs> power. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. For ye are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many as you, of you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ's, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I mean, this is this is also, again, this is something that people often, you know, again, the, the promise, the promise of the coming Messiah, the promise of, of, of redemption for the entire world. This is why when jo when Jesus Christ sits down with with Nicodemus in John chapter three, Nicodemus has got no idea what Jesus is talking about. We see this in Matthew, Mark, Luke, 
again and again, where Jesus says to his disciples, he's going to lay down his life. He's going to resurrect it in three days. He's going to lay down his life. He's going to break down this temple. The temple will be raised up in three days. We see, and it kept on going over the heads. Again, to this day, to this day, we see this, this message still elude. It still goes over people's heads. Yeah, 100%. It still, it still goes over heads because people are still trying to make themselves perfect. And this is, the, this is the problem. Come to Jesus when you sort out X, Y, and Z in your life. Come to Jesus when, and people put it off. I will believe when I get this and this and that right. I, I, I will do X, Y, and Z, and I will believe in, you know, and, and it seems like a good idea, but I first need to sort out X, Y, and Z. No, you come to Jesus Christ as you are. You come as a wretched sinner, and the Holy Spirit regenerates you. And you start then getting sanctified by Christ, as we see in Philippians. He who began a good work in you, he will bring it to completion. Believe the gospel. That's so, that's what we preach. Believe the I gospel. I went ahead and pulled up Second Peter because what you just said. Peter says in, in the end of his second letter, and count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him. Remember, they had a little beef. Look at how he writes about him, right? You don't hold that anger. You don't, they were, hey, did Paul and Peter probably bump heads? Yes, they both were very strong, bold. They were sent on missions. Like, will me and JD bump heads? If we continue to fellowship, we will bump heads. We are fallen sinful creatures. It might not have happened yet, but it will happen. We will bump heads. But how does it end? Just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. Yeah. Let's go back to where we're at. Also, uh, when, when, you know, we like to throw apologetics in here. If anyone dare tell you, you know, you're not the chosen people of God, because like I mentioned, there are the Hebrew Israelite movement out there. And the Hebrew Israelite movement will tell you, well, salvation is only for Israel. They are the true Israel. We are the so-called white man, Esau, and we do not have salvation. However, as we see here, for in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And remember, this all goes full circle. How do you put on Christ? What does he say in the beginning of this? Or well, not the beginning, but a couple uh, chapters back. That is not I in me, but Christ in me. Christ is in me, so I put on Christ. And if I'm in Christ, if Christ is in me, then it's not that I'm a Jew or a Greek or, or a slave or free or male or female. There are only one in Christ Jesus. When people Amen. read this verse, I want you to be very uh, understand clearly. This verse is not throwing away gender roles, it, right? It's not saying that you know there's no men, no women. So therefore, there you don't don't listen to what I say in Ephesians when I say husbands and wives. No, he's saying in Christ because again, context of the letter, Jews thinking they're better than Greeks. Obviously, men. I'm guaranteeing throughout the period of biblical time up to now think they're better than women. Free think they're better than slave. He's saying, no, no, no. When it comes to standing before God, in Christ, you are in Christ. And you are all one in Christ because we're his body. So I'm not, I don't, my salvation isn't dependent on anything else. And again, I love when the Bible confirms the Bible. Let's just really quickly go back to um, John 1, 
14? Oh, so close. Um, sorry about that. Verse 12, not 14. I was close, though. You see? I get close sometimes. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, believed, not followed his commandments and did the law and did this, who believed in him, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Let's look at those three things you're not born by before we look at what you're born by. You're not born of blood. So it doesn't matter if you're an Israelite, doesn't matter if you're a Gentile, doesn't matter if you're Italian, South African, American, Canadian. That doesn't determine your salvation status. What's the next one? Nor of the will of the flesh. You can't earn your way to heaven. You can't earn your way as a child of God. No matter how much you will your flesh into keeping all 600 and whatever amount of laws, you know, not even the will of your uh, of man, nor the will of man. You can't, no matter what you do, you can't choose, like, I want to be born of God, so therefore I'm going to do it. It is only by the grace of God through believing in him that you become children of God. And, and JD, just to throw this out there, it is interesting. Um, I never heard anybody actually explain it this way, but I always wonder, is the reason why we become children of God is because whenever, so when a bride marries the groom, the groom's parents become the bride's parents, your in-laws, right? If God's son is Jesus and we're the bride of Jesus through our marriage with Jesus, does that therefore make the father our father through marriage? It's a good analogy. Just wondering. This, sorry, yeah. guys. This is me talking to JD. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's that's definitely a good analogy and something to dive into. But I mean, it it, it makes it makes sense, doesn't it? Makes it, if if we look at it from a logical perspective, that makes that makes a lot of sense. So right. you know, it's 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 definitely a good point. But yeah, and it ends with if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, and that means you're heirs according to the promise. Because if you're in Christ then that means it's Christ in you. And if Christ is the heir, then if you're in Christ, you also share in that, which we see in other scriptures where we share in the inheritance. Um, we got a little bit of time. We got 30 minutes. You want to dive into four, chapter four or do you want to do you want to do questions or? or how yeah, do let's let's do some questions, man, because the, the, the next three chapters, you know, you, you can't do four and then not do five. <laughs> okay. Four. Okay. You know what I mean? Four, four ends like on a cliffhanger. You, you kind of got to go straight into five after you've done four. Because, I mean, chapter four, you know, we bring up Isaac and Ishmael and the believer's inheritance. And then, you know, he, he digresses into why with his final rebuke in chapter five. So, yeah, I think I think let's do five, four, four five, and six on, on Monday. Um, and then if you okay. guys have any questions, let's, let's, yeah. let's, 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 let's get it. Here's what we'll do. We've got 30 minutes left. Actually, we've got 20 minutes left because JD ends at uh, uh, 11. Um, yeah. And um, so what we'll do is go ahead and ask any questions in the chat box. Now, we would prefer you keep the questions centered on what we've read tonight. However, if you have a question that's really been on your mind, you want to ask it, go ahead and send it. Please understand that if we don't get, get to your question, it's not on purpose. Sometimes the questions come in fast. Sometimes we get distracted. So letting you know that. Also, to go ahead and give a heads up to the people on TikTok, I will be live after this. After we finish on YouTube, I'll be coming over to TikTok. So if you have any questions about this study, stay tuned to the after show or whatever you want to call it, and we can go ahead and go over that. 
Um, so, uh, but yeah, let's real quickly summarize what we got here in the first three chapters of Galatians while people kind of get their questions together. Let's go ahead and bring the Bible off screen for a minute and, and JD and, my, and me just talk a little bit. So Galatians one, we've got Paul making the appearance on the scene and I love that you pointed it out. I love how when you, when you, when you do this together, JD and myself, we start picking up on, uh, on other, uh, on each other's things that we also point out to. So we'll point it out for each other. Cause he pointed out, uh, Paul's intro before the rebuke. And I wonder if he knew I was ready to get on it because I've tried to harp this to you guys before. J this is one of Paul's biggest rebukes. He's like, you foolish Galatians. How dare you? But how did he start it? Grace, peace, love, right? It's the start with love. A lot of Christians don't start with love. They just go, you're a heretic. You're burning in hell. And notice that even in all that, Paul never condemned. He warned, but never condemned. Um, so he brings, he comes forward and that's the first thing he says, right? First thing he does is he says, there's no other gospel. And then he gives his own credentials and lets you know where I've been, what I've been doing. Then he goes through talking about how he got involved with the apostles and then rebuked Peter. And then he starts diving deeply into why he rebuked Peter. And chapter three is really where the guts get at, right? Like, so one's a setup, two is the situation, three is let's talk about this now. And I think three was amazing. Yeah. I think I'm so glad we read that tonight just because if you're watching this right now, I hope that you got a better understanding of why the law came, what exactly the law was, and why we say that it's always been the same gospel. It's always been about faith in Jesus. Because Paul mm -hmm. laid it all out there so clear that, I mean, even myself, and JD could probably uh, affirm this, sometimes these are revealing to us, just being able to do this out loud and be like, oh, man, oh, man, man, right? Yeah. Um, so. That's what I have to say about that. I don't know what you want to say about Galatians one through three. I mean, again, we we see we see just to bounce off and add to what you've already said is 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 we see Paul not only establishes authority as an apostle of Christ Jesus, but also of someone who had a zeal for the law, who knows the law. So there's there's no one better than than. And again, this is so beautiful how Christ chose Paul. And why Christ chose Paul, because as we affirm from those who knew Paul in that time, that he was a persecutor of the church of God and he was killing Christians because he had such a zeal for the law. Ultimately, he tells us he tells us in Philippians that he did so ignorantly. Um, and ultimately, we see that he establishes among these these young Christians and these believers that there is no other gospel there is absolutely no other gospel there is the gospel that saves and and if someone comes to you preaching that jesus christ is the brother of satan or jesus christ was just a prophet or jesus christ wasn't god incarnate any of these doctrines are another gospel see jesus christ is fully god fully man jesus christ is god incarnate god in the flesh jesus christ is the only way as he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And, and Paul is affirming all of this. If you believe anything other than that, you cannot be saved. And by keeping the law or trying to keep the law, you cannot be saved. And and, and hopefully that answers answers your question, Mel. Um, and, and an apologetics podcast would be good. Um, it would definitely be a good one to have. Um, but apologetics, again, is a massive 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 that's that's not something you can cover on a single podcast that's 
we, we would have to do a couple of blind reveals as well to, you know, video reveals and uh, blind reactions to, right, to give so. you an example of, of, of apologetics. So uh, I just wanted to go ahead and bring this back up that we shared once before to kind of answer this question a little bit more in depth. Um, you asked the question of, so wait, this gospel, it's been the same gospel. Uh, yes and no. It's not that we're not saying that Abraham was told Jesus is coming. Jesus is going to die on the cross. No. So let's look at what we mean by by the gospel has been the same throughout all of history. Right. Um, in, in fact, the book of Revelation calls it the everlasting gospel. Uh, he's called the lamb slain since eternity past. Right. So let's read what I presented to you guys on that one podcast we did uh, not too long ago. The doctrines of salvation, which is known as soteriology, rests on the following fundamentals. So these are the six fundamentals that J.D. and I agree upon when it comes to how a person is saved from, from the day Adam was created until the last person that lives breathes, right? This is how salvation happens. Number one, the need for salvation is the fact that in sight of an absolute holy and righteous God, all persons are sinners. Number two, the basis of salvation in every age is the death of Christ. Number three, the means of salvation in every age is the grace of an all-merciful God. Number four, the requirement for salvation in every age is faith, not works. Number five, the object of faith in every age is God. And number six, the content of that faith changes according to the progressive revelation. Now, let me go ahead and explain to you what this means. So that means it's always been saved by grace because we need grace because we're fallen sinners. And it's always been upon the, the cross that we are that we are saved. As Paul says, it was God's divine forbearance looking over previous sins so that Jesus Christ would be the just and the justifier. But it's always been our faith in God. However, the content of that faith has progressively changed. So in Genesis 3.15, we see a curse being given and a prophecy being given. And the prophecy is that her seed, Eve's seed, will crush the serpent's head. That's good news. Hey, humans, here's your enemy. But I'm going to say one day someone's coming to crush his head. That's the very first, that's known as the first proto-evangelium, right? The word proto-evangelium is, is the presentation of the gospel, the presentation of the good news. So the first presentation of the good news is actually in Genesis, Genesis 3 saying that someone's coming to crush his head. And then for Abraham, it gets revealed a little bit more. Through you, all nations will be blessed. Through your offspring, right? Because of your faith. Okay, now we know someone's coming to crush Satan and everybody's gonna be blessed. And as we go throughout the course of the Bible, this revelation keeps getting uh, further and further progressed until we now know that that blessing that was coming, his name is Jesus, he's God, he's king, he's come to set the captives free, and that through faith in him, all are saved, even the Gentiles. Same good news progressively revealed throughout scripture. Hope that answers I mean, the question. Uh, we, we, we can just, just to touch on that as well, is, is, is what we see in, in the story of Abraham with his son Isaac is, is that sacrifice. And, and, and God was never, never, you see, God provided the ram. So God was never going to let Abraham murder his own son. And this is what a lot of people miss. They're like, it, it was a question of obedience. It was a question of, again, what do we see in Philippians? Philippians tells us that Jesus Christ took on the form of a servant and was obedient unto death. Again, his son, 
we, we see no signs that Isaac struggled with Abraham either. There was no signs of a fight. So Isaac willingly also went and laid on the altar. This is what Amen. a lot of people leave out. A lot of people leave this out. Isaac willingly was, was willing to be sacrificed by his own father. You see, we see the, the dualism there. And, and when we see throughout, even the story of Moses, even the story of Moses and throughout the prophets, we see these parallels in prophecy where uh, with with uh, we, we touched on this last week with the Passover. We see the blood being painted on the doorpost again. This is the, these these are these are signs hidden within the prophecy of what was to come. This is why Paul says the law was a foreshadow, a schoolmaster that again, we are not discrediting the law. We are not speaking ill of the law. The law is good. The law is holy. The law is pure. The law is of God. What we are saying is the law never saved anyone. The law never saved anyone. Everyone, even with David, you look at the psalmist, we look at David and we see what did he do? He was an adulterer. He was a murderer. He was greedy. He, he you know, and, and we see the same with Solomon, Solomon, king of Israel, who wrote Ecclesiastes and Proverbs. We see him. We see him say. You know, he, 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 Proverbs are probably Proverbs and Ecclesiastes provoke your heart to conviction. And we see that he had multiple wives, disobeyed God multiple times, went against things God said. Again, when we look at the judges, we see the same thing. Samson, we see the same thing. Daniel, we see the same thing. Jeremiah, Isaiah, we see the same thing with Elijah and Elijah. Uh, Elijah and Elisha. <laughs> Elijah runs away. One day he's rebuking 80 bald priests and fires raining down from heaven. And the next day he's fleeing into the wilderness and hiding from Jezebel. We, No one was ever saved by the law. Everyone has always been saved by God's grace through their faith in God's promises. Through their faith in God and who God is. So it's faith in the promise. And ultimately we see. We see this play out. I love to say it this way. It's a real short way to say it. Prior to Jesus, you were saved by, by trusting in the promise to come. And after Jesus, you trust in the promise that came. All right? Because Jesus is that promise. So you either trusted in the promise that will come or you trusted in the promise that has already come. And I, and I brought up Romans 3 real quick. We've got a couple of minutes because uh, this goes so hand in hand with this. I, I really recommend you read it. But Listen, it says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. Remember John chapter five, I told you, Jesus said what? That you search the scriptures as if they have life, but it is they that bear witness to me, but you do not come to me for life, right? They bear witness about it. It says the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation. There's that word from last, uh, last Bible study uh, by his blood to be received by faith. Be, again, faith, faith, faith. This was again. Also, I want, uh, want you to understand the context because I'm starting randomly right now. He's talking about during the time of Abraham, right? This is right now he was in this part where he's talking about Abraham. So he's talking about Christ's blood covering Abraham. Listen what he says. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins 
It, had, it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So what is he saying? He's saying that even though Jesus hadn't come yet, God was never going to let it be about anything but Jesus. Jesus is, because imagine this, imagine if prior to Jesus, you could be saved by the law. Think about this for a minute. That would mean that all the people who are saved aren't saved because of Jesus. Therefore, all of salvation and all of eternity would not be glorifying God. Half of it would. The half that got saved by Jesus. God doesn't want mm -hmm. that. One name shall be above all. There is one savior. So even yeah. before Jesus, you were saved by Jesus. So he would look over your sins because his divine forbearance. What is divine forbearance? This is equivalent to, so you and me, since we live in time, we like to imagine us looking into the future. But God doesn't look into the future because he's so big and outside of time. He sees the future as it is. And he sees the past as it is because he is the almighty I am. So his yeah. future view is divine forbearance, meaning I'm not predicting. Mm -hmm. I'm not guessing. I'm telling you what will happen. His son will get on that cross. He knows this already. Therefore, sin is already paid for in eternity. That's why Jesus is called the lamb slain before eternity passed. And he did so so that no matter what, everyone would look at Jesus as the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in him. Yeah. I mean, it goes on and he mentions Abraham again in, in, in Romans chapter four. Yeah. In Romans chapter four, he goes on and he Where says, there, there we go. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or for the uncircumcised? For we say, for we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? If it was after, but before he was circumcised, he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believed without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. And to make him the father and to make him the father of the circumcised who were not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. And, the, and then we see, he goes on to say, if Abraham, and he, he also pushes on to the works issue, saying Abraham wasn't justified by any works he did, because if it was works, he, he, he could boast before men, but he could never boast before God. He has yeah. nothing to boast for before, before God. Ooh. I know JD has five minutes left, but because of what we read in Galatians, let me try and get this part out too, because I, I really want all, man, if y'all don't go to Romans tonight and read this too, listen to what he says that goes hand in hand with what we just read. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace. There's that word promise again, and be guaranteed to all his offspring. There goes that word offspring again, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham who is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations, not just one nation, right? In the presence of God in whom you believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Listen, this is what, you wanna know what Abraham's gospel was? Here it is. Here's what Abraham believed in. In hope he believed, against hope, that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, 
or when he considered the barrenness of Saren's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. That verse right there, you want to walk away with something today, let it be this. Let no unbelief make you waver concerning the promise of God. What was his promise? I will save you. I will not forsake you. Come to me, all of you that are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He trusted the promise of God, and he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That's Amen. the gospel. That's the gospel. And, and since we're leaving right now, I'm going to end it with one of my favorite verses in the Bible, how Paul starts verse five. Therefore, so he's, he's capping off what he just said. Therefore, since we have been, past tense, it's already done, have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. So ladies and gentlemen, tonight as we finish up this podcast, I ask you to ask yourself this question and be very honest with yourself. Do I have peace with God? I saw Kiera comment, understanding this brings me so much comfort. Amen. It brings you so much peace, my sister in Christ, because therefore, since you have been justified by faith, you have peace with God. If you look at that highlight I have on the bottom, uh, it, it call goes into talking about how we were once enemies against him. We were his enemies. We weren't, this, Satan wasn't our enemy. God was. How, how is it, what does the scripture say? To fall into the hands of the living God? Like that's a scary thing. But you are no longer his enemy. You have peace with him. And we have peace because we trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ and not about what I do or what you do. And with that, we hit two hours. Bam. But I mean, just, just 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 to add there, I mean, what he says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, again, we, we see the, the culmination of everything. And, and, and this is why if we read the scriptures and, 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 and think at any points while reading the scriptures, it doesn't concern Jesus Christ. It doesn't concern the gospel. You've you've already you've already missed it. That's what people say. Well, uh, where in the Bible does it say the whole Bible? That's where it says the entire awesome. Bible. You notice how when me and Jay are reading the Bible, we're bouncing around everywhere. We're going Romans, Ephesians, Galatians, Deuteronomy. This is why I don't like the question of show me in the Bible where it says. Because I know that at the elementary level, the way people read scripture is, okay, I need to see a verse that says the exact words that I'm thinking. You know, people ask me all the time when I post a video, Mike, can you tell me what scripture this comes from? Not all the time, because sometimes what I'm teaching you comes from an accumulation, accumulation, accumulation. Am I messing that word up? Whatever the word is, accumulation of all of my study of so many texts. And I'm not trying to sit here being like, therefore, you can't question me. I'm just saying I can't answer it. And oh, here's the verse. If someone wants me to sit down and explain to them why I have a hope and what I have a hope in, as you see, I'm down to do it. But we're bouncing because scripture interprets scripture. Scripture mm -hmm. confirms scripture. And what you believe shouldn't be hidden in a dark corner of scripture. It shouldn't be like the only way I can show you what I believe is by showing you that very one verse all the way hidden in in Obadiah, Obadiah uh, 2 and, and and something like that. No, nah, totus scriptura. Um, yeah. Amen. All right. Amen. All right. I, I, I'm happy with this podcast. We're gone until Monday. I'm so sorry, guys. Um, I am yeah. going to start. So we shall a little, see you. A little update. 
I'm going to start um, moving specific podcast episodes into playlists for people to go back and search them. So we'll have the Bible study episodes that are like this, topic episodes, reaction videos. Um, also, JD and me are going to be talking soon about the Bible uh, 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 thing that we plan on doing. I promise you I didn't forget about it, but I'm also working on getting the podcast audio going. Um, so just letting you guys know, I haven't decided I'm going to try to convert my old football podcast to the True Christian podcast, because if I do that, it's already on iHeart, Spotify, um, Apple, uh, Apple and Stitcher. If I could just change the name and upload new episodes on it, I don't have to resubmit that and have them put up there. If I do have to start from scratch, then I'm going to have to get us put up there. And obviously, I'm going to stick with Apple, uh, Spotify, and iHeart. If anybody has any special requests, let me know. Make sure you guys are commenting below. If you're not live watching it, you're watching it later, comment below. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you maybe want to see us uh, talk about or, or whatever. Criticism is welcomed over here. Do it respectfully, and we will respectfully respond to it. Um, I, I, I know I can speak for JD when I say that it is a pleasure to do this. Uh, we get so much from you. You might think that you get so much from us, but we get so much from you, what you guys pour out, how much love you guys give, the support you guys give. I mean, we have the same loyal people in these. It's not random, right? I, I would rather have the same 44 people here every week than a thousand random people every week because I love that people are coming back and we're getting to the point where we don't have to repeat ourselves. Because if you've been listening for weeks after weeks after weeks, there's certain things you already have down. So much to come. I appreciate you all. Uh, this is it for me. I'm signing out. I'm going to let JD say what he has to say. I'll see you all on TikTok for the little after show. Uh, God bless. And as always, go in peace. Amen. Amen. I mean, uh, Kira, I see your thing there. Uh, remember, 15th, next week, Saturday, we will be doing Hebrews on Discord um, with Pastor Kenny as well. So the Hebrew study on Discord, um, <laughs> also going to be a couple of sessions. I think that's one of the biggest reasons why Mike and I haven't gone through Romans, because in order for us to do Romans, we're going to need 16 episodes or 20 episodes, because there's just there's just way too much meat in that's there. That's the first so three months get of the Bible in the year. We're going to yeah, struggle. I mean, we, we, will, we will definitely get... Yeah, we'll get through that when we get to our Bible reading, but we're going to be stuck there for a while because there's just so much to unpack in, in the in the book of Romans and obviously uh, debunks almost virtually every single heretical. And, and again, like I always I say to people, go do the do the go go eat popcorn, go eat popcorn. That's the Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, those those four mini epistles. Or like daily reads. If you go through Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians uh, daily, you 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 cannot you cannot be deceived. You cannot be deceived because it gives you absolutely the roundabout, the full tilt of everything Paul gave to the Romans, and um, you know, and the church at Corinth. So again, we'll get there. Um, God bless you all thanks to everybody that has been supporting and as mike said it's, it's a blessing to see you guys it's the same faces again and again because you guys are getting edified you guys are learning which is power and um to everybody that supports the ministry that likes and subscribes that that's 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 helped with funds uh, especially with uh this recent one i just did today i said to mike this morning was beautiful guys i went out and um i preached to um 
120 kids, 120 kids this morning who were grateful to hear the gospel. Um, they were I had lots of questions that I needed to answer afterwards because, you know, they're teenagers, so they're still learning. Um, but everybody that's been involved in the Bible ministry, I do appreciate it. And um, God bless you all abundantly. Have a fantastic evening. Sleep well. Be blessed. Grace and peace. Jesus Christ is King. I love you all very much. See you on Monday. Peace.